0: Uh, we're just glad that you're here, and we've got a lot of fun stuff planned for today, all kinds of awesome things. We're calling it our, our, our beginning of summer luau, and so we've got several several schools that are out or already out. Some are still in, but we're wanting to celebrate our students, and we've got all kinds of fun things uh, planned for right after service, and we're starting a brand new series today. Yeah, yeah. so this is the series that's going to take us through the summer. We're calling it Seven Ships. And so we're going to go through some epic boat stories in the Bible. All right, everybody's got a boat story, right? Um, Boat stories are the best. Boat stories are the best. You hang around here very long, you're going to hear one. I heard one already this morning. Okay, Uh, and and I love boat stories, but there's seven really peculiar ones in Scripture that we're going to look through uh, throughout the summer. It's going to be a lot of fun. You could say we're going to seafare our way through Scripture. Uh, As we go, that was a... It wasn't very funny, was it? <laughs> all right. I worked hard on that one. It's all right. Today, probably the most famous um, boat story in the Bible, because not only did, did Jesus walk on water, but we know Peter walked on water. And all this takes place at the Sea of Galilee. And before we jump in, just a little bit about this, this particular story. We've got quite a bit of context here. Because we've got more than one version of it. Matthew wrote about um, that moment where Peter walks on water. Jesus comes to them in the storm. Mark writes about it, but he leaves out the fact that Peter walked on water. He's probably jealous, you know what I'm saying? Uh, John did the same thing. John didn't talk about um, Peter walking on water. But in Matthew's version, we read all about it. So let's just jump in, and and it's just a few verses, and then we'll unpack it. Verse 22 it says, immediately, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of them to the other side. Now, they're on the Sea of Galilee. They're on the shore. The Sea of Galilee is, is small. In the widest section, it's about eight miles across. And so there's a good chance they weren't at the widest section. So Jesus is sending them across the Sea of Galilee. Shouldn't take more than two to three, four hours. So he sends them across, and after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And then when the afternoon came, he was there alone. But the boat was a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind. Mark tells us they're three and a half miles in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. They're right in the center of the Sea of Galilee. And then that's the worst place to be when a storm shows up. It says during the fourth watch of the night, or I'm sorry, at, at, there was a storm that, that that came through. The boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the G- Jesus, <clears throat> the disciples, seen Jesus walking to them, and they were terrified. It's a ghost. They didn't recognize him. They said they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately, there's immediately again, said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And then here's Peter, rough around the edges, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. Come, said Jesus to Peter. Then Peter got down out of the boat, he walked on water, came towards Jesus, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Began to sink, so he cried out again, Lord, save me immediately. Three immediately. <laughs> Jesus reached out of his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And then they climbed into the boat, the wind died, and then those that were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Incredible story. There's a lot about this story, I, I think, that if you read right over it, there's a few things in there that, that don't really jump out at you. You know, one of the main things that I, I really love about this story is, number one, that, you know, Peter, I like Peter because I feel like I identify a little bit with Peter. If all the disciples, I would say Peter was a little rough around the edges. He was a commercial fisherman. That's what he'd done for a living. wasn't a pastor, wasn't a preacher, didn't go to seminary. He was a fisherman. And not only was he a fisherman, but he was a pretty raw guy. Like he said exactly what he thought. He was always really kind of—I think he was pushing the disciples a little bit. Like he—he he was a little bit boisterous. He was um, a little bit, you know, rough around the edges. When they came to to take Jesus, Judas showed up with some Roman soldiers. Peter was there, and Peter was the only one that was willing to draw his sword. He was really ready to kill somebody to protect Jesus. He wasn't aiming for the soldier's ear, right? He was trying to cut the dude. He was, trying to, you know, he was trying to take the guy out. And then a few days later, right? I mean, a few hours later, but he's, he kind of flips back over and he's, he's ashamed of Jesus. And I like that because I can find myself in times where my faith, I feel like, is really strong. Right? Peter was ready to fight for Jesus. right? I'm ready to charge hell with a squirt gun on a tricycle some mornings. You know, I like, get up and I'm ready to go. And then some mornings I get up and just a small little thing can discourage me. Just a little comment. Just a little this. Somebody pull out in front of me on traffic. The world's over now. You know, I lose everything. My salvation, everything's out the window now. But Peter was, I like him because he was raw, he was real, and I feel like I can see my life in him in so many aspects because he wasn't perfect. And in this story, there's a lot of things that are happening but what I love about this story is, is it really give us, gives us, a, I think, an accurate picture of what fear can do in our life when we let it in. Because there's good fear and there's bad fear. And of all the commandments in the Bible, believe this or not, more than anything else, more than, than, than the commandments to go to church, more than the commandments to love one another, more than the commandments to obey, more than the commandments to, to worship, all those things are good. More than the commandments to be humble, more more than the commandments to serve one another, of all the commandments in the Bible, the greatest one that's mentioned the most can be summed up in two words. Fear not. You've probably heard a hundred versions of it. you've seen it on you know the, there's three hundred and sixty five fear knots in the bible uh, I, actually there's three hundred and sixty six there's enough for leap year too you know and, and, but 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 god from from Genesis to revelation is so adamant about not allowing fear a voice in your life fear and in this story they're in they're in the boat together and and, and there's You know, there's being scared, and then there's being scared for your life, right? There's like a difference. If you've ever been on a boat in the middle of the night, and you think it's going to sink, that's what it feels like to be scared for your life. But I think everybody in here, you probably have a story at one point where you were afraid for your life. You thought, this might be it. might have happened in in the last 12 months. Yeah, I, I think everybody probably had a somewhat of a version of that in their life. You you throw on the you know whatever you you decide to watch that morning or read that morning, and, and you may walk out the door thinking, I don't know if I'm gonna make it home. <laughs> but the disciples had that kind of fear that gripped them, and it says they were terrified. They were terrified, and and and, and what that word when I when I looked up that word what it means is is it's not this external fear. It means that there was something on the... The fear had moved to the inside. It says that they were shaken to their inner core is what that means. They were, they were terrified. That, that the, the fear and the storm that was on the outside had now crept into the inside, and they were paranoid, they were afraid, they were seeing things that, that weren't really there. And I think that that's one of the reasons why the Bible is so clear about fear because it can really cause a lot of damage in our life. And I'm, I'm a believer in this. Whatever it is God has called you to do, and wherever it is God's called you to go, the enemy can't keep you from doing it. Right? He can't, he can't, he can't stop you. He can't show up and tell you not to get in the car and go and do that thing. He can't, he can't physically stop you. But he can put so much fear around the success that God has for your life that you'd rather not even try. And I'm finding a common theme in this, that, that, that people that really overcome a lot in their lives, it's not so much the physical obstacle, but the fear, the voice of fear that just tells you you can't do it that just tells you to stop, that just tells you to run, that tells you to hide, that that fear can get so loud that you start getting delusional and you believe things that aren't real. You see things that aren't real. You even believe that just stopping and giving up and just just kind of crawling up in a ball in the corner of the boat might be the best thing to do. (laughs) That's what fear will tell you. And it bothers me a little bit because there's... There's good fear, there's bad fear, and it's mentioned several times throughout scripture. But the one verse I want to give you this morning because I feel like we're seeing this happen more than ever before is in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and Paul's writing to a young church planner, Timothy couldn't have been, you know, he was in his mid 20s, maybe maybe younger, leading a really big church. He was overwhelmed in some aspects. He was intimidated. And Paul writes to young Timothy, and this is what he says. He says, I want you to remember, he starts affirming him. Remember the gifts that you have, Timothy. But then he goes on to verse 7. He says, God hasn't given you this spirit of fear that's operating in your life. He names it. He doesn't say you're being fearful, Timothy. He doesn't say, hey, young Timothy, you know what? Grow up a little bit. You'll, you'll overcome this. You're, you're scared because you're new at it. He, says, he goes right to the point. He says, this spirit of fear that's on your life is not from God. But God has given you a different spirit. He said it's power, and it's love, and it's sound mind. a sound mind. And so, so he names this, this it's a, he calls it a spirit of fear. And I think we've all felt that. I think we've rode in the car with that. We've carried it around, especially this year. A, a spirit of fear. I'm afraid of things I shouldn't be afraid of. Like things I have no reason to be afraid of these things, but I'm I'm scared. It it can paralyze you, it can keep you out of what God has for you. And felt like my, my job is to help give you the tools to get to where God wants you to go. To overcome the fear, to overcome the other voices in your life that you hear you probably every day of the week that's trying to tell you that you're not enough, that you can't do it, that you can't push through this, that, that, that it's all over. And, and so this isn't new. This is something that we see happening over and over. And, and just before we jump into to this spirit of fear, a, f- a few things. I think, number one, God doesn't give fear. He doesn't dish it out. I don't believe God is a fear-based leader. I don't think he leads with fear. I don't think he does it. I think he leads with love. And so whenever we're being, being driven by fear, we can almost certainly say that that's not from God because God doesn't lead that way. He says perfect love casts out all fear. And so he leads with love, and I, I believe that with all my heart. And, and then the second thing is, you know, there's a difference between being scared and then just having like a spirit of fear on your life. You may have met somebody like that lately. Uh, uh, just a spirit of fear. I mean, can't even get out of the house don't want to get around anyone, just afraid, just scared, and I can see why. I mean, if you look at the disciples and what they were facing, they're they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. It says the seas are, I looked up the Sea of Galilee. It's about 140 feet deep in some areas. So with 140 feet depth, I mean, they could have had 20-foot waves. Like, I don't know. Like Like, they could have had every reason to be scared and fearful. But it paralyzed some of them. It kept them out of everything God wanted for their life. And so the fruit of fear, the spirit of fear, just a few things. I think when, when, when this spirit is, is, is operating in my life or I'm, I have a fearful mentality, there's some things that we lose. This, I, the, the fruit of fear, the, fr- the first one I think is self-esteem. When we're living under this, this, this spirit of fear or fearful all the time, we, we lose our self-esteem. Because it's just easier to hide, Right? If it feels like every time I come out, I'm faced with an opposition or I'm I'm faced with an obstacle, it just a little bit over time, when we avoid the things that God has called us to face, we lose a little bit on the inside. Now, I'm not saying that God has called you to go out and walk on the water of every storm, right? But this particular storm, Jesus told the disciples to get in the boat and to go to the other side. They were doing what, what, what... in their hearts and minds, they were supposed to do. He sent them into this storm. And there's going to be times in our life where God is going to send us into things that we don't want to go and do. Right? It's a whole lot more comfortable in the boat. It's a whole lot more comfortable on the shore. But when we back down from those things, I want to help you this morning. When we back down from those things in our life that God has called us to face We just grow a little more fearful. When I was going through the little bit of seminary I went through, we had this little saying that everybody said, because we were all brand new to everything and and, and we'd never, you know, done any kind of ministry or anything like that. Like I didn't know what the Lord's Prayer was, didn't know anything about communion, how all that worked. And and one of the instructors said, just fake it till you make it. You know, like, like just 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 get up there if you don't know what you're doing, just act like you do. Nobody's gonna figure, you know, nobody's gonna know the difference. And so that was like our little saying, like when we were faced with stuff and we didn't know what to do, we said, just fake it till you make it. Well, I, and that's one version of it, but I, I think the biblical version of it is, face it till you make it. Go toe-to-toe with it. Send that text message that you know you wanted to send a month ago, and you've been avoiding that person, and you, if you see them in Walmart, you see their car in the parking lot, you turn around. If there's any chance that you might cross paths with that person, you will completely disrupt your entire schedule, right? And so we back, it's these little, these little things in our life where God's calling us to face it, to make a hard decision. It's like, well, this is, this is self-help, preacher. This is self, I mean, what's self-esteem? Jesus said, die to yourself, right? He also said, love your neighbor the way that you love yourself. And if you hate yourself, or you're ashamed of yourself, or you've backed down to fear so many times in your life that you're just fearful, you're going to treat other people that way. And so, this fruit of fear, we want it out of our life. The second thing, when fear is calling the shots, this fruit of fear, we lose direction. We lose direction we don't know which way's forward we don't know which way's backwards right it's like we don't know where we're going where we're heading it just becomes we go into what like like survival modes what psychologists call it survival mode when, when fear hits us hard we either flee we either freeze right or we fight all three of those will get you into trouble. <laughs> okay, like, you know, like all three of them. And, and so we lose, we lose where we were heading. We were on our way somewhere, but now this thing has hit me out of nowhere, and I'm just busy fighting, fleeing, or freezing, and I'm not doing what God has called me to do. Mark says it like this. When this storm hit, the disciples didn't know where to go, what to do. They were, Luke 6, um, they, they, were, they were straining at the oars. Just, they were just rowing in circles. Just scared to death, rolling in circles, right? What would you do in 2020? I was scared to death, rolling in circles. That's what I did all year long. Didn't know what was going on. Didn't know, you know what the right move was to go forward. I mean, you, we know what this is like. We know what this is like. We lose direction. The third thing, we lose our joy when this fear is, is over us, It's on us. We lose our joy. Have you ever met a joyful, manically worried person? In your life. You're not going to do it. When we get worried. When we let this fear. Become the voice that we lead our lives by. It's not a happy place to be. It's not a joyful place to be. You're like well what are we supposed to do pastor? Just smile in the face of all this bad stuff. I guess so. (laughs) If we read about some of the old saints. That's gone before us. That's exactly what they were able to do you read the book of martyrs it's 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 i mean it's 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 frightening but but the things that the uh, the original church the original disciples went through they never lost their joy i mean in the the whole world wanted them down like the whole world wanted to put these folks away but they were happy they had their joy because even in the middle of all of that that was going on in their life They weren't listening to that fear. They weren't leading their life based on who's trying to get me or who's against me because everybody was. But it was who's for me. Come on, right? Like, who's on my side? Like, who's called me to this in the first place, right? This isn't, I didn't wish this on myself that I really believe I'm, I'm walking in the call that God has for my life. And so when I'm doing that, I'm, I'm not listening to fear. I'm listening to faith. You, you lose your joy when you listen to that fear. You see things that aren't real. You do things you wouldn't normally do. And the last thing is this, fear, spirit of fear. It, we lose our we lose our real relationships when this 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 fearful mentality comes over us. We push everybody out. I think fear and hiding, you can't disconnect the two. You can't have one without the other. And you look at the first time that, that, that sin's mentioned in the Bible, and you look at the first reaction of the first human beings that went through that, Adam and Eve. They didn't run. They, did, they, didn't, they, didn't, you know, they didn't run to God. It says that they hid. They hid from each other. They started fighting each other. Then they hid from God, the only person that could really help them with the situation they were in. And fear will always cause you to push away from the relationships that you need in your life. I believe that. The people that you need. The only person that Adam and Eve could really come to to find a solution for what they had just faced in the garden, they hid from that person. It's a loss of authentic relationships, and we need that so much. Can't really do this without that. Can't really do this life without people in, that, that we're in community with. Like, and, and we see that now. We know that now. We need human contact. We need to look at somebody in the eye every now and then and let them know what we're facing, what we're walking through, um, what's going on. In our, like we, we need somebody who can, can listen to what's going on in our life and say, I think you're psyching yourself out there. I think you're listening. Th- that, that can back down the voice of fear in our life. And so the fruit of fear, the disciples know what it's like. We all know what it's like. We felt it. We faced it. I don't want to, fo- I don't want to focus on fear. I want to look at the other side of it because we all have a, we're all going to have a place in our life at some point where God's going to call us out of the boat, and he's going to call us into something new, and it's going to be a whole lot easier to just stay comfortable in the boat like no matter what it is that we've called like there's like and, and I love this cuz a lot of our graduates right now that's here if you're if you're going from elementary to middle school or if you're going from middle school to high school or you're going from high school to college or you graduated and now you're looking for a job every one of those steps is completely stepping outside of your boat cuz what you knew as comfortable in elementary school as soon as you step foot in middle school you know the game has changed Right? Come on, you know that. And then middle school, right? You go from the top of the totem pole in eighth grade back down to the bottom. You know, you're, you're stepping out of the, the comfort and, the, and, and, and what you knew as your life and world and then you get in high school and you climb to the top again to start over at the bottom. And there's going to come a time in your life, no matter how long you've been doing what you do, that, that God's going to call you outside of that thing. He's going to call you to to step out of your comfort zone. He's going to call you to do something risky. To do something that maybe you've never done before. And so as we look at this story, as we look at this example, I think number one, to to get outside of the boat, to quiet the voice of fear. To quiet the voice of fear. Jesus, let me read it again. He's walking on water. He tells Peter gives him the word the disciples saw him walking on the lake they were terrified it's a ghost they cried out in fear but Jesus immediately said to them take courage it is I don't be afraid and then Peter like Peter does Peter fashion if it's really you Jesus tell me to step out of this boat number one to quiet the voice of fear, to step into all God has for you, is you've got to define your boat. What is your boat? What's your boat look like? Well, it's not going to look like the disciples' boat. John Ortberg says it like this. He wrote a book called If You Want to Walk on Water, you Got to Get Out of the Boat. That's a sermon right there. Our men's group went through it a few months ago. Your boat is whatever represents safety and security to you apart from God himself. And some boats have been rocked this last year, hasn't it? <laughs> everything that represented safety and security has been placed in a storms in some aspect. That, that everything that we knew is safety and security has been shaken. And according to John Ortberg, you can find your boat by what you're the most afraid of losing that didn't come from God, right? It's safety. And when Jesus calls Peter out of the water, you know, out of the boat, he's not so much calling him out so that he can fail, but he's calling him out of this comfort zone. He's calling him out of comfort. He's calling him out of everything that he knew as security. And he did this to the, I mean, the, the disciples, I mean, they've all left so much already. They've already left jobs. They've already left homes. But I can promise you there is going to come a time in your life where you're going to be called outside of your boat. And it could be a career that you have built, and it's been 10, 20 years in it. I'll never forget when I left. Y'all know I had a job before I started working as, in ministry, and I really liked it. Um, Y'all, y'all, y'all know where it's at, right? <laughs> I worked at Pepsi for like, you know, a while. And, and I liked that job. I mean I, did, I mean, I went through, see, everybody, I don't think anybody likes their job every day. If you do, then let me have a lock of your hair and I'll put it in my pocket. and Maybe I'll lock, you know, like my job. Every, you have bad days. You're going to have bad days. But there, there's going to come a point where everything you know as, as, as your comfort, as your boat God may just decide to tell you to walk away from it. And He may not give you an explanation. He may just give you the word. You may just feel the drawing. You may just feel you may just start getting bored in the boat. You may say, well, Lord, is there something else? Are you calling me, are you calling me out of this? And, and, and so when you begin to define your boat, you realize, okay, this is my boat. This is where I'm seeking comfort and shelter outside of God, and, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to build my life on that. I, I want to build my life on what I believe that Jesus is saying to me right now, right here. That's hard to do. Define your boat. I know what my boat is. I wrote them down. What am I the most afraid of losing in my life? I know what those things are. The second thing Peter never recognized Jesus. I want you to think about that. He never could he couldn't tell if it was a ghost. He didn't know who he was. Jesus says, "Take courage, it is I, be afraid." And I think when we come into these times of our life where we know that God is calling us to step out in faith, or maybe we're just trying to overcome fear. We're trying to overcome something. Because sometimes, I mean, fear can try to just keep you in the bed. Like, fear can just try to keep you in the house. And and I'm not saying this has to be some great jump from a career or some great... But this could just be facing the things in your life, the storms in your life. God's called you to face. He says... He gave Peter one word. He says, I want you to just, just get out of the boat. Come. He says, come. And I think when, it's, when we're facing fear in our life or we're, we're trying to take that next step of faith, I, like, you know, I want to see it kind of illustrated before me. Right? Like I want to know exactly where I need to go, what I need to do. Right? If I leave the house, I want to know exactly where we're going, how long we're going to be there kind of thing. You know, Jesus didn't give him any of that. Peter had to take action on what he knew. That's all he gave him. And I think when it comes to facing fear in our life, we may not get the whole story. Peter didn't, there was nothing about walking on water. Jesus didn't say one word. Peter, if you get out of the boat, you're going to walk on water, dude. They're going to be talking about you 2,000 years from now. Right? Like, uh, if, you walk, if you get out of the boat, Peter, not only are you going to walk on water once, you're going to do it twice because you're going to get all scared and sink, and then I'm going to pick you up. and then you're going to, you know, like, He didn't tell him any of that. He just had to take action on the last thing he heard Jesus say. And I think there's really something important to take an action on what we already know. Especially when in a, in a world that seems to be really looking for new truth, new revelation. Like, give me something new. Like, like, like give me something new. And that, that's crept into the church world a lot, I think. Like, we want something new. We want something exciting, something we've never heard before. But it's like, well, I think the power may be in just some of the old things that we already know are true that we haven't stepped out on and started doing yet. Come on. Peter was the only one willing to step out. I mean, they all heard it. They all heard it. They all had the same encounter. I mean, they all seen this ghost or who they thought it was a ghost, Jesus walking on water. They heard the instructions that only Peter was willing to take action on what he knew. I've heard it said that inaction, right, is action. Sometimes the worst thing we can do in certain situations is nothing. And just doing, just taking one step towards what you believe is Jesus in your life, speaking to you. Just one step. And that may be why you're here this morning. I know there's a lot of seekers that come here. I don't try to speak to Christians every week. I try to speak to humans because I know not everybody in here is a Christian. And you might be here and this is your step. You're trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, mean, you're you're just seeking this thing out. You're taking action on what you know. And somebody told you to go to church. Some people got help there. Somebody told you about Jesus. And now you're just taking action on what you know. I think there's a lot of wisdom. I think there's a lot of power. I think there's a lot that can happen when we are willing to just take action on what we know. To take that first step. Because that's the one thing Jesus really couldn't do for Peter. He quieted the storm. He walked out there on the water. He spoke. But there comes a point where you either got to put up or, (laughs) right? You got to take that first step. And it's hard to do. It's hard to do. But I really believe that you'll know exactly what that is. And I don't think you need a pope or a priest or a preacher to tell you what that is. I think that this whole journey is walking and listening to the Lord for ourselves. And we have wisdom and counselors. And we bounce it off of people. And there's a multitude of safety where, there's, where we have wisdom and, and, and folks in our life. But at the end of the day, what I'm going to give an account to God for is not what you told me to do. Or not what my friend told me to do. But what did God tell me to do? What was, what was he speaking to me? What was he call, where was he calling me to get out of the boat? Where is he calling me to take action? Or maybe I've been letting this go for way too long. Take action on what you know. Peter took action on what he knew and he failed. That's okay. <laughs> I'd rather fail stepping out, doing what I believe God's called me to do, than sit in the boat safe and dry and comfortable. Come on, somebody, right? I mean, I think life is a little too short to make comfort and safety my goal. <laughs> and so I, I know here, here, here we are, and, and, and life is already difficult, and here I am in the middle of a storm, and I thought this was going to be a three-hour tour, and it's turned into a whole lot more, right? And that, the disciples did not think that they were going to be stuck in the middle of a boat in the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night. They should have got across in three hours if they can paddle like me it would have been two hours you know what i'm saying no no but they thought they were going to rest they had just got through feeding y'all know you've heard the story where this little boy comes up he's got like five loaves of five loaves of bread and two fishes and they give him to jesus and they they sit down thousands of people in the desert on grass somehow that happened and started feeding them that's just that that was immediately what had happened right after feeding thousands of people. If you fed a hundred people, you know how much that is. So they thought they were going for a little rest and relaxation. Okay, right? They're just just going to the other side to get away from the crowd, and they're right in the middle of a storm. But I want to give you this. Because along the way and along this journey, as you walk with God, you're going to step out and sink. I mean, a hundred times. I was horrible at preaching, at teaching, at talking in front of people, period, for years. Years. First few messages I ever preached were in nursing homes, because they were the only people that would listen. Because they would, you know, I mean, I'm just being honest with you. And, and I'll, there was this nursing home in Milton I was going to every week for about a year and there was this, this lady that she, would, she was resident there, and she'd come in there, and I would just speak in the living room. It was like the little living quarters area, and I would speak in front of the TV. And so she would um, come up, and if I, was, if I would go too long, or if it was not very interesting, she would come, and, and she'd come behind me, and she'd sit with her finger pointing at the power button on the TV. <laughs> Laugh it up, Christians. And the the mistakes I've made speaking, I can't tell you about them because they're bad. You know, don't say, like, I'm glad they're not on tape or anything. Uh, I mean, so... uh, Nobody's good at anything the first time. And maybe you've tried it and it didn't work out. Just try again. If you can't seem to shake it, and you're not comfortable in the boat that you're in right now, and you feel like there's more outside of it, try again. See failure as a teacher, not a destination. If Peter wouldn't have been willing to fail, he would have never got out of the boat. If he wouldn't have been willing to sink, if he wouldn't have been willing to get a little wet, and for things to go from bad to worse, but he was willing to do it. Somebody said that fail is just an acronym. It means first attempt in learning. Even life takes a few tries, right? You know, like like just 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 see failure when you when you get ready and you get the courage and you get ready to do that thing. Don't be surprised if it doesn't work out the way you thought it would. Don't be surprised if it takes a little longer than you thought it would. Right? Don't be surprised if you've got to resubmit the, 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 the exam again or you've got to reapply for the school or, or you've got to reapply for the business loan. Or, like, like it's it's going to take work. It's going to take failure. Michael Jordan, who's, in my opinion, the greatest basketball player that's ever lived, he was being interviewed and talking about his success. And he was reminding the interviewer about how many shots that he's missed, 9,000 shots in his lifetime. 23 times Michael Jordan missed the game winning shot. And he just talked about how yes he's he's made a lot <laughs> but he's taken a lot. And so when it comes to this I mean I just I hope this is helping somebody. Don't let failure be stamped on you like it's a final notice. Try again. Get back up. Keep going. It's a teacher. Dr. Seuss, love Dr. Seuss. Anybody know who Dr. Seuss is? Yeah, a few of y'all do. His first book that he tried to get published, they saw it on Mulberry Street. Oh, and, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, it had a 23 rejections before he got his first book published. Twenty-three. And there's something that God's placed in you. It's in every person. There's treasure inside of your life. There's something that exists in you that will never exist again. And you've got to get it out. You've got to do it. And it could, be an, it could just be in an idea form. There's something God's placed you here to do that specifically only you can do. And, 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 and you want to pay attention to those things. You don't want to give up on those things, even if you fail 100 times. Just keep trying. <laughs> keep going. Failure as a teacher. It comes, to, it, it comes with a gift. And then there's the last thing. And, um, and I think it's the most important, especially in, in, in the world that we live in right now. Because there's a lot going on. And you may not be in the middle of a storm right now, but somebody in this room is. You may not be in the middle of a storm right now, but, but somebody it's in here is going through this. You may not be in the middle of a storm right now, but I can promise you, you will see one. Especially if you just moved to Florida. You know, get ready. You think the humidity's bad? <laughs> okay. No, I'm kidding, but not really. <laughs> You're going to see one. Yeah, they love it. The storms are... Uh... There's going to come times in our life where we question, is God even in this? The disciples just left Jesus. Didn't recognize him walking on the water. But this is what Peter was able to do that I think the other disciples were not. They were still questioning what was going on. They didn't recognize Jesus. But Jesus just said three things. Fear not. It is I. Don't be afraid. And I think when it comes to navigating this life, when it comes to doing what God has called you to do, there's going to come seasons in your life where you can't trust what you see. Like you can't trust the externals. You can't trust the data. You can't trust the numbers. And that's coming from a guy that, that I love the numbers. Come on, you're right, right? I, I, I like to stay in my head a lot. I like to, to, to see it in, the, in, in black and white kind of thing. But I think you can make decisions up to a certain point that way. But then there comes a time in your life where you're going to have to trust your gut. You're going to have to trust what God is saying to you, not what you're seeing around you. And if we look at this story, and if we look at what's going on, it was chaos all around them. They couldn't trust what they seen. They couldn't trust what they were feeling. They couldn't trust really any of their senses at all. But Peter, this is what Peter did, and we're going to pray. Peter put listening ahead of looking. He was able not to deny the storm, not to deny that it was there. He he, he didn't deny that that, that wasn't happening, but he was able to listen for the voice of God in his life in the middle of probably one of the worst storms he's ever faced. And there will come a time in your life, and maybe you're in it now, where you can't trust what you see. You can't trust what's going on around you. You can't trust what you're reading. You can't trust what you're watching on the news. So much of it is just not real. So much of it is the voice of fear because fear sells and fear causes people to click and stay and and watch and watch and watch and watch and watch and watch. And I think the most important thing about a Christian right now is the ability to listen for the voice of God in your life personally. Jesus said, my sheep, they're going to know my voice. That when it gets to, I mean, when it comes down to navigating this life, getting to where God has called you to get, you got to listen. You got to train yourself to listen. You got to train yourself to be able to see what's going on around you and the craziness. and And it would be easier to give up. And it would be easier just to throw up your hands. But that's not what I'm hearing. I'm hearing. I'm hearing Jesus saying, "You know what? Take courage." I'm hearing Jesus say, "You may not recognize me in your storm, but I'm there." And God may not have sent the storm, but he sent you into it. (laughs) And there's some things in it that you can learn. 1974, there was a plane approaching the the runway in South Carolina. There was a fog, heavy fog that morning. And the pilot got what's called spatial disorientation. And so he thought that he was heading for the runway and and he shorted it. So there was 70 passengers or so were killed on that flight. And because of that one flight, they changed the laws of aviation. And so now if you're a pilot, if you fly under 10,000 feet, you have to be silent. Because when you're flying in such a low altitude, they know now about the spatial disorientation where, where pilots can think and, and, and they see one thing, but the reality may be another thing. And so they have to listen. And they make decisions based on what they're hearing, not what they're seeing outside of the window. I think there's a, there's a there's spiritual disorientation that can happen in our lives. Where we believe things that aren't real, we think up is down. Jesus said there's going to come a day where people are going to mock truth. They're going to laugh at righteousness. They're going to say good is evil. They're going to say evil is good. And that's what we're going to see and that's what we're going to know, but not us, right? Because we're not listening. We're not living our life based on what we see, we're listening to another voice or being led by that voice in our life. So this is what I want us to do. Just if you'd bow your heads, I wanna pray that even in this moment right now, I believe God is always speaking and he wants to speak to you. And it may not be this audible voice. It may come through an impression. It may come through during a song. It may come through just this, this instinct that you know and you feel. God is, is a God of all those things. He's the God of your feelings. He's the God of your emotions. He's the God of all this world. He can speak however He would like to speak, and I believe He would speak to you. And so, Lord, this morning we're asking that you would help us to hear that voice clearer than ever in our life. That if we find ourselves in a, in a storm, if we find ourselves maybe even comfortable in the boat and we haven't changed nothing in 20 years the boat has looked exactly the same we sit in the same seat we do the same thing we sing the same songs and maybe maybe God is calling you out of that comfort I don't know but Lord we come to you with open hearts this morning we ask that you would speak to us God, that you would speak louder than the voices of fear that's so, so loud in the world that we live right now. I pray against the spirit of fear. God, I pray for faith even in this moment now that would fill the hearts of your people. You said you've called us to walk by faith, not by sight. We can't trust what we see. We can't always trust what's going on around us. There's a natural, there's a supernatural. You've called us to walk in that world. And there's going to come times where what we see, we can't trust. So, Lord, we put our faith in you. We put our faith in you. God, we ask that faith right now would just rise up in our hearts. If you delivered them from their storm, Lord, you'll deliver me from mine. If you was with them in their storm, you're with me in mine. If you sent them into a storm, Lord, then I'm going to I'm going to just I'm going to be a good soldier and I'm going to I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to go into this storm with joy, with peace, knowing that this too shall pass. So, God, we just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.